Welcome to episode number 56 of your favorite political podcast. Just two guys, two dads sitting here talking politics, thinking logically, and I'm joined by the executive producer, writer, Dr. Joseph Anthony Corsi. Joe, welcome back. Fresh off of neck surgery. How'd it go? It actually went really well for the most part. Still getting a little bit of numbness in the arms, but that's normal for the first two weeks. Uh, the The recovery room was, was rather interesting because I avoided the, the worst symptom or the worst thing that can happen to you, and that's the, the really sore throat and the not being able to talk for a few days. So I woke up in the recovery room, and honestly, the pain in my shoulder was, was basically like gone then, but I was also feeling very, very good at the same time. Um, but funny story... So I'm laying in the recovery room, and I just felt a cramp coming in my left leg hamstring. I, I just felt it coming, but I really still couldn't, like, talk. So, like, I'm trying to, like, motion them over, and I'm already, like, already probably hopped up. I think they gave me Dilaudid. So I'm already, like, already feeling, like, really, like, groggy, and I'm, like, bringing them over by closing, like, closing my hand, like, over and over again. Yeah. And they come over, and I was trying to explain them that, like, I need to, like, I need to get up and move. Like, I'm gonna, I'm cramping up. I'm cramping up. Help, help. And... They were like, okay, let's give you fentanyl. <laughs> and I was like, no, no. And they were like, like they paused and they were like, I was like, I was like, isn't that like bad? And they were like, oh, no, 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 no. They were like, they were like this is like a, a thousand times stronger than whatever. They were like, you know, but here they just, they, they, they gave it to me, whatever. And then I felt like really groggy, but the, the cramping kind of like went away for, for a couple minutes. And then after like five or 10 minutes, I was like, you got to come over here. I was like, I got to get up and walk around. And they were like, sir, this is the recovery room. This is, this is not where you get up and walk around. I was like, you don't understand. I was like, I'm cramping up. I was like, and I'm, uh, I should be flailing around in pain if I cramp up with the, with, in a throat collar. So, and then it just cramped up and I just started going crazy and they had to come over and stretch my leg out. But it was just the. Let's just say the surgery was at 2 p.m., so it was the it was the end of the shift crowd. So they weren't exactly paying <laughs> the utmost attention. So I was cramping up for a good five to ten to fifteen seconds, and it was miserable. But wow. other than that, the stay wasn't that bad. I mean, I was able to eat some Jello and stuff that night, and then I was able to kind of eat like scrambled eggs for breakfast the next morning, and then basically like normal after that. The, the day after that, by Thursday I was eating like normal, and I was kind of talking like normal. So. Well, you don't sound like you don't sound like Bobby Kennedy, which we, we were we were kind of hoping for. Yeah, uh, the first the first like day you would like I, I could talk, but it was like my voice. If I held something like like the dude from South Park, if I held something like over like my throat, a little pressure, I could like talk. But like it was like I would get very exhausted very quick, and then I would kind of maybe sound like RFK because I would talk like. <laughs> So you have the Christopher Moltisanti uh, signature neck brace on right now? Yes, right now. And I got to wear it for another, I think, six or seven days. And then um, and then it gets removed and I can start doing neck stretches, I guess. I don't know. My wife, actually threw away, my wife actually, in an attempt to clean up the kitchen, threw away the discharge instructions very early on the first day. So <laughs> we're still, we're still kind of, we're still kind of at each other's throat, literally, no pun intended on that one. But I was trying to get a, a read on you to, to see how you were doing. And so I, I messaged her on Instagram just to see uh, how you were feeling. And then uh, then you texted me like right after that. I'm like, I should have known Joe. 
Joe is going to be working hard for our listeners right after surgery in the recovery room. So I just want our listeners to know this guy doesn't sleep. He's working 24-7 for this show. As soon as I got the okay to lay on my side, I was like, okay, now I can actually put the phone. Because before that, I really couldn't look at my Mm. phone because I couldn't look down. I was like, okay, I can put the phone parallel to my face here. And and just, let's just, and the things that I found actually go back, I think, to that that Wednesday night in in the hospital, Wednesday, Thursday, and stuff like that, going all the way back there with the Durham stuff. So, yeah. Which is what we're going to lead off with today, and that is the the Durham report, which came out, oh, what, Joe? Talking about 10 days ago. So we're a little bit behind on this one, obviously, because of your surgery. But we wanted to actually just go into detail here with, with the findings of this report that we were hoping would come out before the 2020 election. I, I can remember Trump pressing, you know, Durham on, on, on Twitter or whatever he was trying to get him to release this report before the election, but yet it's 2023 and we finally get the, the, uh, the report, the, the, the findings of this report. And in a nutshell, basically it exonerates Trump from any kind of collusion with Russia, which we all knew was, uh, fake, uh, to begin with from the Mueller report. But more importantly, Joe, it implicates Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, Joseph Biden, Jim Clapper, John Brennan, the deep state, the intelligence communities, who all colluded and briefed Obama even that they were going to make this a story. Unbelievable. We had it went it, it was so bad, Joe, that even Jake Tapper on CNN had to basically admit that this was very bad for the deep state. Joe, what do you think? Remember, all of this happened to Trump because Hillary Clinton, her campaign, radical Democrats, we could name him Adam Schiff, go on and on and on. They wouldn't accept the results of an election. And that election was the 2016 election. We've come full circle. We've, we've, we've come full circle. That's the best argument in the world. Like, you hear, well, Trump won't accept the results of an election. But that's exactly what they did. And then before that, they spied on his campaign. It's, it's, fucking, hilarious. it's fucking hilarious to me. <laughs> It just make you just have to seriously sit here and I don't think enough people can think like this, Joe, or even maybe even care so much, but but they should, as to why that they are going to these lengths to keep Donald Trump far away from the Oval Office. Why did they go why did they come up with this plan to tie Trump to Russia? They come up with some fake story about servers uh, connecting, talking with a, a bank in Russia, which is completely made up. The PP take PP tape books made up. I mean, they literally briefed. That's what said this in the dorm report. Briefed Obama in the Oval Office and said they were going to do this because this all goes back to Hillary Clinton. 
I, I was listening, I think it was a Dan Bongino. They asked for all the emails from Hillary Clinton the night of Benghazi, the Benghazi happened. And you know how many they got? Zero. Why? Why did they get zero emails, Joe? Because Hillary Clinton had a private server that she was operating on that they smashed and whitewashed and bleached so that none of, none of this could ever be recovered. Um, but this is just arrogance, arrogance, and at the highest level. They, I told you before we started recording, they don't care. They don't care. I don't even know if this is about protecting Hillary Clinton or protecting Joe Biden. This might be about protecting Barack Obama. Because Michelle Obama might get in this race in 2024. But uh, what else do you have on this, Joe? Okay, so will Trump sue the FBI, Hillary Clinton, the DNC? Or, or anyone else that was a part of this. He should, just like Dominion sued Fox and, and Mike Lindell. Why not? And I don't know if we have the audio here. Let's see. I think we do of CIA, former CIA director James Clapper, admitting that you, you mentioned Obama, that actually it was Obama who encouraged the investigation into Trump. Um, let's see here. President Obama, we might not have done the intelligence community assessment that we did that set off a whole sequence of events which are still unfolding today, notably Special Counsel Mueller's investigation. President Obama is responsible for that, and it was he who tasked us to do that intelligence community assessment uh, in the first place. Okay, so right there from the former CIA director, it was Obama. And you see he mentioned Robert Mueller, so we got to sue Robert Mueller, too. He had to know this whole thing was horse shit, witch hunt, whatever you want to call it. Look how many people were involved in the Mueller, Mueller investigation. And you know what they found, Mark? Nothing. They found nothing. And they, they had Adam Schiff, they had people like Adam Schiff going out in front of Congress and lying and saying he had evidence with, without anything. But the media didn't say any of that in 2019. We didn't know any of this in 2018, 17. We had to wait another four years. Take back the Pulitzers today. You have to have the people's phone numbers. Call them and say, we're coming to pick up the, the award, whatever you want to call it, the fake award right now. We're coming to get it. I mean, look at this. This is from the New York Times. John Durham's report on the FBI's investigation into the Trump campaign's work with Russia, which produced no startling revelations, okay, is being viewed by some conservatives as lending credence to their conspiracy theories about the U.S. agency. Again, they got a Pulitzer for their reporting on this, the New York Times did. It's all based on lies. The guy they were reporting on as a criminal was the victim. Mark. Joe, I honestly don't even know what to say anymore. I mean, and then you have guys like Adam Schiff who not only doubled down, triple and quadruple down, though he goes on Lawrence O'Donnell and still says Trump colluded with Russia in the election. I, I, I don't even know what to say. What else can you say? The, the only, the saddest thing about this is probably not the fact that they did this to Trump, that they went to these lengths to subvert democracy. But you know what's even worse than that? Subverting democracy? Subverting the will of the people? 
furnishing a, a lie to the world about Donald Trump is that nothing's going to happen to these people. That's the sad thing, Joe. That's the worst part about all of this is nothing is going to happen. The Justice Department already shut down an investigation into Hunter Biden from the IRS, pulled the team off the, off the investigation. The DOJ was investigating the Clinton Foundation all the way up until the end of the Trump presidency. And then they were pulled off the investigation. How are these people so protected to the point that they could get away with this, perpetrating one of the biggest political hoaxes in the history of humanity, and nothing happened to them? Make it make sense. It's unreal. This is how our country works and operates. You know, I don't even know if this is the, I don't even know it's not a democracy. It's not, I don't even know if it's a republic anymore, Joe. It's more like an oligarchy. I mean, that's what basically we have here in America. We live in an oligarchy where we have a few ruling this military plane. It's second one flying right over my head here. Wow. Where a few of the ruling elite families rule this country. If you disagree with that, please tell me how or why. Not just you, I'm just saying, people listening out there. But we live in an oligarchy. It's insane. Keep in mind that this, so this is paid for by Hillary Clinton, the, the Steele dossier, everything, the, the, what was the guy, the Kevin Kleinsmith who altered an email to start the investigation into, geez, I can't remember, Carter Page, um, this all started, and this this gave credence for everything. Trump's a Russian agent. Trump's owned by that. Do you remember speaking of January sixth and insurrection, the eleven times that Joe Biden, who's now president, was interrupted during the electoral vote certification in two thousand seventeen? I believe that was on January sixth, two thousand seventeen. I'm sure. Yes, here's here's a CNN article. Eleven times VP Biden was interrupted during Trump's electoral vote certificate certification so they they tried to they tried not to have trump certified here again house democrats failed to muster support to challenge trump's electoral college win this was all given legs by what hillary clinton and others paid for that ended up being false information and then our three-letter agencies went with it when the same three-letter agencies if you remember 2016 really well wouldn't lift a finger for the Hillary Clinton email investigation. It was just gross negligence, I believe. What did James Comey say? It was it was gross negligence that she had classified material on her server, in her private server. Give gross negligence, yeah. But yet, the left will sit here and say, well, you know, Jim Comey came out and, and, and made that accusation against her emails. 10 days before the 2016 election. Give me a break. Give me I a will break. say this. Speaking of Hillary Clinton, I find it pleasing, to say the least, that they interviewed her, Hillary Clinton, the Durham investigation, interviewed Hillary Clinton, and this didn't leak to anyone in the media somehow. It's kind of, kind of crazy if you think about it. Right. So It is crazy. Um, so, uh, speaking of Hillary, while we're on the topic... Uh, so I believe we might get to this. Well, I don't know if we'll do our disclose segment today, given this episode, but 
she kind of questioned Joe Biden's age. She said it's okay to question his age. He's old. Is Hillary Clinton going to get into this presidential race one more time? Why not? She might. I wouldn't rule it out. Who else? I don't they know have? how that would look. Michelle Obama. Who's not really a politician, but that seems to work these days. But there's really nobody else. Don't don't say Gavin Newsom because he's he actually might be the one, but he sucks. They all suck. Gavin Newsom would be a disaster. Uh, I'd much rather have Michelle Obama than Gavin Newsom, and that tells you something. So, what does um, it say about the Democrats? Though, that you need to have somebody that number one isn't even in politics ever, or someone that hasn't been in politics in over almost what eight years, almost a decade. Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Things are going to come to a head here real soon with with this stuff. So, uh, anything else with the Durham report? Um. No, maybe there's still more to come from this. Who knows? We'll see. This is from Paul Sperry on Twitter um, about, I don't know, I guess less than an hour ago. Developing right now, special counsel John Dorham is expected to give testimony before the House Judiciary Committee on Thursday, May 25th at 9 a.m. So I guess we'll put a pin in this. and Pin it. Yeah. Will you be watching? Will that be on C-SPAN? Or is that uh, private, uh, closed? I don't know. Good question. Let's look into it. Uh, speaking of House hearings, we had some House hearings last week. Uh, what were these uh, hearings on? Was this the Judiciary Committee, Joe? I know we had some uh, FBI uh, uh, members testifying. Yes. Uh, um, who else? Journalists. I got bits and pieces of this on, on yeah. Twitter. Um, we had some whistleblowers uh, type, of, type of thing uh, that were, they were getting brought up. On, on Capitol Hill. So what do you have with the racist hearings last week in Washington? I don't know. I don't know what this one is here because I, I put these in, like I said, five, six days ago, some of these. So we'll see. This is Marjorie Taylor Greene and Amy Spit, Spitalnik. So. As American citizens, the right for them to be born, the right for them to be given a chance to live as free Americans instead of Murder. You think this is funny, Miss Potomac? Is this funny to you? Is babies being murdered in the womb funny to you? Because you're smirking and laughing at me right now. What's not funny are the black people and the people and Jewish people and Muslim people who have been murdered in synagogue, in church, in supermarkets, in mosques by white supremacists. Are you aware that that all colored people are murdered? Uh, that is that is a fact. That every single color person has been murdered that that's not unusual it's not just that people of color are murdered white people are murdered too murder is not just for minorities I, that may be a shock to you because you seem to dive deeply into all kinds of misinformation and and seem to be uninformed yourself but if you're going to talk about white supremacy and abortion you need to study very hard about who the targets are and it's not just black women and it's not just black babies, it's Hispanics as well. And I think that's important for you to understand. And if you apparently care about human rights and you care about studying extremism, let's have a little talk about extremism, shall we? I think. Okay, so that was peaceful, fiery but peaceful. I forgot that that's why I wanted to play that because everything somehow is white supremacy. Keep in mind, these are all from last week. 
And we're going to get into the white supremacy attack that happened last night later. Um, this next one is Miss Crockett. Um, so I don't know where she is a representative out of, but she's a fiery Democrat. And, uh, of course, she has to bring up white nationalists, white nationalism. These root causes. Number one, the fact that we have elected legislators that won't do their job and protect people by keeping these weapons off the streets. That's number one. Number two, we are still reeling from a financial crisis. And guess what? They don't want to make it better. I'm sure they all campaigned and said, oh, we're going to help out the economy post-COVID. But right now we are on a cliff over the debt ceiling. The debt ceiling that was raised three times under Trump and 25% of this credit card bill that they don't want to pay was accrued under Trump and he only had one term. And hopefully he won't have no more. Nevertheless. I I just got to remind our listeners that a lot of that money was the COVID bill that the House insisted on it being that way, and they probably got a lot of money laundering out of that bill. But go on, we got six hundred dollars. We got a six hundred dollar check, but all that. Okay. So let's also talk about the fact that uh, just recently, I think it was yesterday or two days ago, we received reports that there is a staff member who's working for a Republican on this committee who has ties with and supports a white nationalist who has proclaimed himself to be just like Hitler. I don't really know what to say, except for the fact that this... Okay, say whatever, but they're just reports. Notice she's just just making accusation and not providing any names or evidence. Uh, I'm I'm gonna move on. Um, she'll be back later on. This is, this is now, um, she wants to talk about crime and I believe DC. Colleagues want to talk about keeping DC streets crime free. They can't even keep the halls of Congress crime, crime free. Cause we don't, we don't talk about this. Cause I got 24 seconds. My freshman colleague has just been indicted on 13 counts, 13 felony counts, right? But have they exhibited any courage to say, you know what, we will disallow this in our body. We will make sure that we expel this individual. They have not. So what I don't want to hear is that they care about crime because if they did, they would start by cleaning up our own house and mind our own business instead of coming after D.C. So thank you so much for your time. Okay, yes. Let's expel George Santos before he has a chance to be heard or defend himself. And these flimsy charges that, that he has at best against him. Does everyone already forget what happened to the Buffalo Bills punter already? Matt Areza. And keep in mind, this is the same. George Santos is being accused by the same Justice Department that you saw what they just did to Trump. They basically made up a crime and pursued him for his entire first term in office. It's, yeah. it's Again, it's fucking hilarious to me. Okay, let's move on to the fake informant now. Um, of course, I think this is tested with the Hunter Biden thing. Um, I think this is Representative Moskowitz. I know you got stuff going on. You're trying to find, you know, the fake informant that you've now has gone missing. I know you're busy with that. You know, but I'm hoping that perhaps the Oversight Committee, if they're so worried about, you know, federal overreach, perhaps they can start, you know, being focused on real government oversight. With that, Mr. Chairman, I yield back. Gillen yields back before I recognize uh, Ms. Bobert. With respect to the missing informant, 
Uh, just so you know, just to clarify, the, the Grassley whistleblower is alive and well. I'm guessing this is the whistleblower that has to do with Hunter and Joe Biden, I, I, I think. So um, we got two or three more clips from last week, and then we'll move on. Um, this one's a good minute. It, this is uh, Representative Goldman on um, why we should listen to the FBI. He, he's shocked that we, we shouldn't listen to the FBI director after he was just found lying. Uh, I don't know. Mass shootings every single year. Almost two per day mass shootings. Sorry, 600 mass shootings. Just to be clear, a mass shooting counts like in Chicago when a gang member opens a fire and shoots three, four people, wounds them with a handgun. That's a mass shooting. Counts as a mass shooting. So Far more people. And we're supposed to be talking here about vandalism. Give me a break. You can't even say, you can't sit here, Mr. Harrison. You were an employee of the Department of Homeland Security. And I want to get to that in a minute. You can't even acknowledge what your own agency said, that the biggest domestic terror threat is white nationalism, white supremacy. You're trying to get us, uh, gaslight us up here as if Antifa, which Mr. Rosas, apparently the expert now in organized terrorist activity has overruled the FBI director who says as a headline says Antifa is an ideology not an organization no 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 let's not listen to the FBI director let's listen to sorry what's your your title senior writer at town hall who is going to tell us that the FBI director is wrong and I'd like to yes. introduce let's not listen to the 51 former intel officers that told us the hunter laptop thing was rushing this information and a ploy. Let's listen to random journalists. There's no question. Uh, I'd like to introduce uh, by unanimous consent an AP article saying the FBI director says Antifa is an ideology not an organization. Without objection, so what? Can I, can I respond this is, No, you cannot. I didn't ask the question. It's, it's, uh, it's the gentleman's time. He can spend it anyway, Jesus. Mr. Erickson, you went to a meeting at the White House on December 18th, 2020, did you not? Uh, I, I'm uh, not we'll sure move which on meeting from, you're speaking of. We'll move on from this one. Uh, I think there was something I wanted to... I don't know. I, I just How could you listen to someone that, that called... Remember the Capitol Hill shooting in 2017, Mark, where it was the, the baseball game and the guy came up and yes. asked, are these Democrats or Republicans? And they said, oh, the Republicans passed, he just opened fire. The FBI, yes. the FBI called that suicide by cop. That wasn't terrorism. That wasn't anything at all. That wasn't political. Whatever they, what do they call the Paul Pelosi, political violence? That wasn't political violence. Look, I, I linked the article. It's from Political. Political. This is from 2017. FBI defends suicide by cop designation for the 2017 baseball field shooting. No wonder some people don't want to trust, I'm sorry, the head of the FBI. <clears throat> um, and I think this is the response to that guy's question. So um, this guy apparently is uh, comes from money. I don't know. Not that that matters to me or whatever. But you heard him say that instead of white supremacy, they're focusing on property damage. Now, I think that the whole, the whole topic they were talking about was the 
the riots and the 2020 summer of love, whatever you want to call it. But this is a little bit longer of the clip. You're trying to get us, uh, gaslight us up here as if Antifa, which knows us, apparently the expert now in organized terrorist activity has overruled the FBI director who says, there's a headline, says Antifa is an ideology, not an organization. No, no, no. Let's not listen to Levi Strauss. There's no question. I think it's funny to be to be lectured by an heir to the Levi Strauss uh, Corporation. And, and honestly, that's probably why he uh, doesn't consider property damage to be that big of a deal, because not only does he have that, but he also has uh, what some would describe an impossibly good stock portfolio. Um, but what I can tell you is that in these riots that happened uh, three years ago, they, uh, yes, big corporations uh, did suffer damage and looting. So Target, that, that would happen in Minneapolis. Uh, but a lot of the businesses, they were small businesses. They didn't come from multi-million dollar uh, families or, or corporations. And so uh, the, the fact that they had to uh, not only deal with the completely unnecessary uh, COVID restrictions that were happening during that time, so the, their, their bottom line was already being hit by that. But then when you add on now having to replace lost inventory or to repair damage, or in some cases it'd be completely, uh, you lose your entire business uh, that happened to a family that I know in Kenosha. Um, the, when you take, I mean, you're taking away people's ability to, to live, to live with that. A friend of mine said that uh, taking away someone's job like that is just a, ha- a baby step away from murdering them because how else are they support to, supposed to support themselves? Not gonna be so I, I, I think uh, it was absolutely disgraceful for uh, Congressman Goldman to try to just denigrate my, my title because it's not just a title. I, I've earned it because I was there chewing the dirt uh, in these dangerous situations. I didn't see him in any of those places. Uh, I was there in New York covering uh, <laughs> New York City, covering uh, some pretty violent protests there. And I'm also not just a writer, but I served honorably in the Marine Corps Reserves. uh, And I was very proud of that. And so uh, that's just typical elitist uh, thinking. And uh, that's why a lot of people hate Washington, D.C. And honestly, I I don't blame them. (laughs) It's just such a corrupt, corrupt, uh, environment in Washington, D.C., uh, all the three-letter agencies. I mean, they truly need either defunded or just blown up and in, in, in reimagined. I, 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 you know, what, what they have done, the damage they have done to this country, um, they have strayed far away from the mission uh, that they're probably originally intended to, to do. So, very sad. All right, so, well... Let's move on to some whistleblowers, Joe. Yeah, we, we've um, said this podcast in 2023, all of a sudden, because after you... Since 2017, anyone that was a whistleblower the last five, six years, January 6th, anything, they wanted to hear about these people. Now, all of a sudden, 2023, magically, poof, whistleblowers will be back. So this is going to be... First, I'm going to play an exchange between Jim Jordan... And Debbie Wasserman Schultz about protecting an FBI whistleblower. And then I'm going to play maybe a few audio clips of people in the press just attacking these whistleblowers. Let's not forget about um, uh, the the female, the Facebook whistleblower talking about, remember her? She was paraded all around Capitol Hill and in the European Union. Remember her? Yes. What's her name? Frances Hogger or something like that? Yes. 
no pun intended. Um, but yeah, she was she was glorified. But now all of a sudden, whistleblowers are bad. Oh, bad. Here's Jim Jordan. Hey, Mr. Chair, I think you were going to indulge the Congresswoman from Florida and her point of inquiry. Uh, the gentleman from Florida is recognized. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. It, it's my understanding what's, that... What's, what's, your, what's, your, what's your... What are you... Is you are making a point of order? No, I'm asking you a question. Okay. A point of inquiry. Okay. It's my understanding that the minority in this committee under the rules is entitled to the same testimony, information, documents that the majority uh, is entitled to. So, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not aware that you're able to withhold information from the minority that we would need to use to prepare for. A, when it comes to whistleblowers, you're not. And I would just I would just remind the committee, remind right. everyone. Look, it's when it comes to whistleblowers, right. we're not. That's not right. It's it's shocking that the that's gentleman. That's not right. It's shocking that, that the gentleman talks so much about the whistleblower and the information. It's shocking that the gentleman from New York would state that we had when you were part yes, of the investigation with the anonymous whistleblower. Okay, so I'm going to interrupt here just so everyone listening at home understands and we're all on the same thought plane here. The Democrats want the names and everything of this whistleblower so they can give them to the media and they could character assassinate these people before they even get a chance to be heard. In case you just started paying attention just today, this is how this stuff works. I'll continue. Correct. I'll continue on here. Yeah. It, so that, that's why it's such a, 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 a dying, just a fight going on to get the name of this whistleblower. And it's so weird. Recognizes it's, I'm inquiring and I was not. And I told you that when it comes to whistleblowers, you are not entitled to that. That's the discretion of Mr. Allen. Mr. Chairman, these he individuals said, have been determined not, not to be whistleblowers. These are not whistleblowers. They've been determined by the agency not to be whistleblowers. Are you deciding that they're whistleblowers? Yes, the law decides. Did you not listen to Mr. Levitt's testimony? Did you not read the law? The this law decides that they are whistleblowers. This attorney is Chair asserting that they are whistleblowers. The gentlelady from New York has been recognized. The law has not determined they are whistleblowers. His attorney is just asserting that. I want the name of that whistleblower. That's not yeah. a whistleblower. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I just... I hope everyone at home can understand. This is why you need people like because you might you might miss that. That might just fly over your head. Oh yeah, I forgot these are Democrats and they want to literally just drag these people through the mud and get their names. <laughs> they acted incredulous when Jim Jordan wouldn't hand that information over. Unbelievable. Give, <laughs> I mean, honestly, honestly. Ah, here, let's move on to MSNBC's Nicole Wallace. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'll just play the video. <laughs> Harry, what does it say that Republicans are trying to misappropriate the whistleblower term? I mean, there's always a more sinister motive. They are reappropriating the term whistleblower after doing everything they could to endanger the life of the actual whistleblower that led to Donald Trump's first impeachment. Um, and they are standing by people who are at a minimum, and again, it's not in dispute, guilty of insubordination of refusing to carry out a court-approved search. Uh, hold on. Hold on. I mean, a whistleblower is guilty of insubordination. No shit. That's, <laughs> like, that doesn't, you understand all of a sudden how this works? 
like you're a whistleblower. You say like, hey, um, go. Okay, for instance, you are at a hospital and the doctor says, go kill that patient. It's just routine. We do this all the time. Just cut the cord. And you're like, I don't know. I'm going to go bubble this up. Well, that's insubordination. You didn't do what he said. And now you're going and talking to people. Does no one understand what a whistleblower is? Like that's you, yes, okay. But do you see how they're 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 weaponizing the terms now? Yeah. Fake you want to explain FBI. every? You want to explain fake everyone what a whistleblower FBI. actually is? Yeah. Fake FBI whistleblower. Fake FBI whistleblower. How is it fake? I, I mean, it's it. it what, it's like an, an employee, I guess I have to be an employee or something, that they reveal information about, I, I, I don't know, any, anything that a, that goes on in private that's illegal, immoral, illegal, I guess, unsafe, it could be, fraudulent. Yeah. And they're revealing this. And I think there are laws that say when uh, someone comes forward and tries to do this, they are protected under law. Unless, yeah. of course, unless, of course, you know, this is law one hundred and one. Unless, of course, they're a fake whistleblower that's that's being that's being insubordinate. Then they get thrown to jail, right in jail. Apparently, but I just don't understand it. The whistleblower guilty of an insubordination. Nicole Wallace is is one of the worst. <sighs> She's up there with Joy Reid as as one of the worst people on TV. So. MSNBC right. is. CNN. The, 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 I want to get that out there right now. MSNBC is worse than CNN. I, I gotta, I gotta switch to them. I think now. I mean, CNN made Jake Tapper get out there and say it, it was almost like someone had a gun in his ribs, and we're like, tell them everything about the term investigation. Tell them how it was all based on lies. The the, the investigation to Trump was all based on lies, and he went out there and he said it more than MSNBC did. But let's move on. MSNBC is honestly like an alternate universe. I mean, that it, it, it's not even, it's not even like they're not even in reality. They are way detached from reality. Fake whistleblower guilty of insubordination. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk about uh, the debt ceiling, Joe. What do you have on the debt ceiling for us? Okay. So I guess um, Biden returned home from a, uh, Japan. And uh, that was, I think, Sunday night. And he was supposed to meet with McCarthy on Monday afternoon. That got pushed all the way back to like five or six o'clock. But no deal was reached. And it, it, it's, it seemed like they really didn't make any, any progress. And McCarthy told Republicans that he was nowhere near a debt limit deal with Biden as a dead nine years. And I want to remind our viewers, they have that 72 hour rule now in the Senate where once a bill is like, Ready, to, ready to go, ready to be passed. It's got to be read for seventy-two hours. That means that everyone has to have an opportunity before the vote to pass it seventy-two hours to read the bill. Which, that that's that's great. I, I love that. But assuming they get a deal done tomorrow, Wednesday, Wednesday morning, you got all of Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That means that nothing's going to get signed until Monday. Nothing's going to be get actually done until Monday at the latest. Well, Thursdays, according to Janet Yellen, the, we're running out of money. And it could happen as early as the first or second. And where is the freaking article, Mark? Oh, I don't know if I put it on here. 
When was the last time um, we defaulted on the debt ceiling, Joe? Has it happened? I know we had a shutdown. Yeah, I don't um, know if we defaulted. I, know we I don't think we marks. defaulted on the debt ceiling. I know we had a shutdown uh, before under the, I think, under President Trump. But I don't know if they defaulted like this. I think it was just more they couldn't agree on a budget. Yeah, th- this is this is. But here's the, the best part. So we should never default because we should have plenty of tax money coming in and, and plenty of money coming in to pay the interest and on the debt. They we, had over $300 billion, Joe, come in on tax revenue we just uh, in April. Yeah. And they won't do it. We $300 just billion, dollars, Joe, in one month. Uh, yeah, cut spending. Hold on, I gotta find this. Well, while you're looking at that, I have something here from the AP, uh, Associated Press. Uh, yeah. What it would mean for the global economy if the U.S. defaults on its debt. All right, so this is from the AP. I mean, you can take that for what it's worth, take it to face value. Um, if the debt crisis roiling Washington were eventually to send the United States crashing into recession, America's economy would hardly sink alone. Okay, so the repercussions of a first ever default on the federal debt would quickly reverberate around the world. Orders for Chinese factories that sell electronics to the United States could dry up, could. Swiss investors who own U.S. treasuries would suffer losses. Sri Lankan companies could no longer deploy dollars as an alternative to their own dodgy currency. So according to this chief economist at Moody's, Mark Zandi, he says, no corner of the global economy will be spared. Um. It says if the debt limit were breached for no more than a week, the U.S. economy would would weaken so much, so fast, as to wipe out roughly 1.5 million jobs. And if this lasts well into the summer, the consequences would be more dire and U.S. economic growth would sink. 7.8 million American jobs would vanish. Borrowing rates would jump. The unemployment rate would soar from current 3.4% to 8%. And a stock market plunge would erase $10 $10 trillion in household wealth. So that's what we're looking at. Joe, did you have the article yet? No, it's, I'm, I'm looking for right now. Janet Yellen wanted to know if she could pay some of the uh, government agencies at a later date. I don't know if it's yeah. weeks or months later. And I'm just thinking like, yeah, let's try it with our credit cards and our mortgages too. Sure. Why not? Right. Yeah. And this is uh Shit, how do you say her name? Pramila Jayapal? Yeah, I think you're right. Nailed one. Broken locks, broken locks right <laughs> twice a day. Here she is on what's going to happen if uh, the U.S. does agree to some spending cuts. God forbid we cut some of our spending. I think there would be a huge backlash from our entire uh, House Democratic you know, caucus, certainly the progressives. But also in the streets, you know, I mean, I think that this is, it's in the streets that we don't take steps back from progressives, but also in the streets, Democratic, you know, caucus, certainly the progressives, but also in the streets, you know. Okay, that sounds a little bit threatening, Mark. What do you think? Is this the Summer of Love 2.0 coming up? It's going to be the three-year anniversary of George Floyd. I love that you got Pramila Jayapal, but you could, you didn't get Brooks Kepka before the show. <laughs> no, I did. What did I call him? Brooks Kopka. Kopka. <laughs> we'll blame them on the third injury. Oh man, 
Well, uh, this is going to be interesting. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're eight days away from, you know, a, an economic nuclear bomb going off across not only America, but the world. So, um, I mean, I don't know, Joe. What do you think is going to happen? With the de- uh, it can be very possible where June 1st hits and nothing really happens. It goes on to business as usual. <clears throat> I, I, I honestly, I, I don't think it'll be anything cr- like the stock market can't like drop 20, 30 percent. I heard someone literally say that 20 percent. How do they know that? I have no idea. But the uh-huh. stock market can drop, but that's all controlled anyway. Like, unless you're getting a federal government check or pension, I think you're going to be okay. But at the same time, if you're Joe Biden or even if you're Kevin McCarthy, do you want anyone to really know that we really don't need to depend on government and we this whole time didn't need to be raising the debt limit and spending this money like this? You know, I think what's hard for people to understand, Joe, is that we're talking about this debt ceiling. We're talking about cutting spending. Yet we're going to send another hundred million, hundred and some million dollars to Ukraine in the form of weapons and aid. I mean, did you see they had an accounting error? They were like, oh, we actually miscalculated. We didn't spend as much as we thought, so we could just spend it anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, what are we doing, Joe? What are we doing? What are we doing with Ukraine? Are we, are we that obsessed with funding this, this war that we can't cut for even a month the aid we're giving them to resolve this debt, this debt ceiling crisis? It's unbelievable. It's very believable. If you saw, you you look at our House of Representatives and our Senate, it's very believable. It's disgraceful. This is a giant pickle because they can't really agree to any spending cuts because that's their money laundering machine. I mean, they can't even, they're so addicted to it, they can't turn it off. You know? Uh, it's, it's, it's very simple. It's like if if your credit card is, is $15,000 limit and, and you already use $14,485, you have $15 just sitting there, and you have a car payment coming out, and you have this coming out in a couple of days, and your paychecks aren't matching up, you got to cut spending. You can't just raise the credit card limit, can you? I mean, why not? Just keep on raising it then, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's this is a very complex issue. Um, Maybe cut yeah. gender studies in Iraq or whatever the funding is that goes <laughs> to shit like that for starters. So that's a good starting point. All right, let's talk about something a little bit more sexy, and that's John Fetterman. Um, we saw him at a press conference wearing. A hoodie and cargo shorts alongside two senators, obviously in suits. Uh, recently read about the fact that he is so enamored with wearing a hoodie in shorts that he actually can like vote from his doorway or something like that, or the, ch- the door of the chamber of the Senate. Like if you, you cannot walk onto the Senate floor in a hoodie and shorts. So he votes from like the door and casts his vote from the door so that he technically does not walk onto the floor so that he could wear his Carhartt hoodie and cargo shorts around the halls 
of the Capitol. I, he's like the Phantom of the Opera in the Senate. He's yeah. just this grotesque human <laughs> that, that has to hide in the back of the rafters and cast his fucking vote. Yeah, I, I don't care whether you like John Fetterman or not, whether you think his shtick is, is cool or not. The fact that he's showing up to work in, a, in the United States Senate in a car hoodie and cargo shorts on a daily basis is completely disgraceful. It, it's, it's an embarrassment to the institution that we have this. Uh, I mean, it's one thing to walk around the halls of the Senate, or, you know, like that. But when you're paying at news conferences and things like that, and you're casting votes looking like that, then you're an embarrassment. I mean, I, 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 I don't know what to say anymore. But what do you have on John Fetterman? A lot. Yeah. <laughs> I spent, I spent an entire day calling his office asking about a certain scenario, which we'll get into in a second here. But I was, uh, our, our people don't even need to hear him giving the, the speech in the hoodie. And, and so everyone else is dressed in a suit and he's wearing shorts and a hoodie. And not, it's not even a new hoodie. It's like, again, he just got done washing his car in, in the fall. It, he, he looks like a bum. He, he, <sighs> yeah. Regardless. Um, so this is from Jeff Stein. He's from the Washington Post. And I found this troubling. So he put out a tweet of what John – did we play this last episode of what John Fetterman – I think we did. Or maybe we did. What John Fetterman said about uh, the bank bailout? Uh, yes. We played that, I think. I know. I mean, did we? I know I've heard it a couple of times. Basically asking the banks if they have a work requirement. I'll play it right now here. This is, this is the audio. This is the actual audio that John Fetterman said. And I want our listeners to hear it. And then I'm going to get into the story, how it evolved. You know, I'll give you an example. Uh, the Republicans want to give a, a work requirement for SNAP. You know, for a, 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 a hungry family has to, to have these, this kind of penalties or these some kinds of word working uh, requirements. Shouldn't you have a working requirement after we sell your bank, your billions of your bank? Because they seem to be more pre- preoccupied uh, when than SNAP uh, and uh, requirements for works for hungry people, but not about pr- protecting the, the, ta- the tax papers, you know, that will bail no matter whatever does about a bank to crash it. Huh? He's not done. Thank you, Senator Fetterman. Now, the guy has to answer the question. He's under oath. Imagine me and that guy. He's, he's the guy in a tough situation. But this goes back to Jeff Stein for the Washington Post. So this is the tweet he put out. And it's a picture of John Fetterman from that, that video, from the actual what he said. And it's what he said in quotations. And Senator John Fetterman to SVB executive Greg Becker, quote, Shouldn't you have a working requirement after we belt out your bank? Republicans seem to be more preoccupied with SNAP requirements for hungry people than protecting taxpayers that have to bail out these banks, end quote. So I saw that tweet and I said, wait a minute. That's not what he said. That's not what he said at all. Nobody knows what John Fetterman said, in fact. So <laughs> because it, it, can't be, it can't be translated. 
So a bunch of people started like commenting on this tweet, me included, saying, what are you, sir, what are you talking about? Did you actually watch the video? And here he put out another tweet saying, yesterday I tweeted this quote provided me by the senator's office without checking it against a video. This was my fault. Though it captured his meeting, I deleted the tweets and some of the words in the quote were inaccurate. Really, Jeff from the Washington Post, which words specifically were inaccurate that the senator said? Do you see? Do you see what's going on? Does anyone out there listening care that the Fetterman team is just sending out fake John Fetterman quotes to reporters? And even worse, the, the reporters are going along with it, Mark. They're going along with it. What's John Fetterman's office? This is from Fox News. John Fetterman's office is doctored quotes to make him sound more coherent. A review is found. Oh, really? This is just one journalist, though, and he's getting paid to report on stuff like this. Do your damn job. Don't just go through the motions. This should be a crime. He, he should be arrested for that tweet. I'm sorry. Deleting the tweet is not good enough for me because when he actually put out another tweet, he still wouldn't admit how wrong he was because he said it captured what the senator meant. Did it? So are you speaking for the senator now? The fucking guy that won't even dress in a suit that has to hide in the fucking rafters like he's staying from the WCW and vote from the fucking ceiling? Well, you tried to you tried to get to the bottom of this, didn't you, Joe? Didn't you call his I office? Ca- yeah, I called his office and I said, why are you doing this? And they kept on denying it. They kept Sir! On- <laughs> Sir! Sir! Do you have any actual questions for this for the senator's office? And I, I said, yes. Why are you giving out fake quotes to reporters? And why are they accepting them? Like, like it's truth. And what did they say? They, they denied it. But Sir. it's right there. But it's right there. Uh, and then I kept on calling. That, that's when I really, like, I guess I got on the nerves. So I was calling the D.C. and the Pittsburgh office, demanding to talk to Senator Jenelson. And they were like, you mean, you mean, you mean Adam? And I was like, yes, yeah, Senator General. And they were like, his chief of staff? I go, no, the senator, the guy that's making all the decisions for the guy that can't even dress himself to go walk into the Senate chambers. But, okay, this makes me even more mad. Let's bring up Diane Feinstein because we couldn't get anything. We couldn't get anything about John Fetterman's medical diagnosis for months, for, from the time he had a stroke until really now. This Diane Feinstein article shows you that it's just because they're, they're hiding him. They're hiding him. They can release his medical information whenever they want. Breaking news. Diane Feinstein suffered previously undisclosed medical complications during her Senate absence. People close to her said. Many described it as frightening to see her operating in the Senate in her current state. Mark, it begs the question, how did they get this woman's medical information? Who leaked it? Are they, wait, Joe, let's back up. Are they hiding? Are they hiding? Fetterman. Are they really I, hiding him? I, I, I guess I, I, I guess think. I can't say that. I guess I can't say that because they're putting him front and center for some reason, but they're clearly hiding him in the Senate chambers when they make him, you know, hide in the back room and cast his vote. Honestly, like he's the Phantom of the Opera. He's just just this just gross, disgusting, yeah. grotesque figure that can't. I just feel like they can't hide him. Like, like it's yeah, like five more years. I mean, they can't hide him for for that long. They're going to have to kill him, I'm telling you. He's going to die. I'll say it right now. I don't even want to say it because I'll go to jail, but, I, but I'm going to say it. We'll do the whole Ramps quote. Fetterman, we, 
Fenneman's going to go back into the hospital. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, man. He might. What He's barely hanging him? on. Did you see his ankles? Because I didn't. There's, I mean, he... His, the circumference of his legs might be 12 inches. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. What do we get ourselves into here, Joe? The best part about it is this motherfucker is going to get a satellite phone. Yeah. He's going to get a satellite phone. Why would they be handing these out, Joe? I don't know, but we've, come, we've been covering this for a while. Like, hey, they're talking about, like, you know, Nuclear explosions in New York. Something's good. Then they talk about EMPs going off in New York. Something, something's up over here. This is from Disclose, I believe, yesterday. Fifty U.S. senators have been issued satellite phones for emergency communication. So I don't know if him and Bob Casey share one or, or how that works, but if John Fetterman is one of the fifty that get the yeah. phone, I, I hope he knows how to use it. This is coming from the Sergeant at Arms in the Senate. So, that's interesting. Um, I mean, who knows why they're giving these out? I mean, obviously, you would need this in the event where electronic communications would be down, um, cell phone towers, um, something like that, where, where you wouldn't be able to communicate with, with people. So, therefore, you would need a satellite phone, and then you could only call somebody who has a satellite phone. That, we have been warned how... about this. We have been warned about this for over a year, though, have we not? Yeah. I mean, is that right? I mean, you can only call other people with satellite phones at that point. I, 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 I think I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, just know this: a major cyber attack in the months leading up to a presidential election would probably serve the same purposes as a scary virus being unleashed in the months leading up to a presidential election. Does that make sense? It makes too much sense, actually. Um, <laughs> I wanted to mention this. I was we were watching uh, Succession, the penultimate episode Sunday night on uh, HBO Max. Now just Max, but um, so their their right wing conservative candidate in the show wins the presidential election, Jared Menken, and. Their network, their, the Fox News of Succession, called ATN, called the race for Mencken. Uh, they were the first ones to call the race so Mencken would win. So they show uh, the aftermath of the election this week. And they're in New York, and it's nighttime. And you have thousands, thousands of people marching down the streets of New York protesting the election of this guy who won the presidency in the show. Also happens to be, as I said, the Republican nominee. So uh, I kind of was like, oh, I could see this happening, you know, in 2024, uh, if Trump or DeSantis were to, especially Trump, uh, were to win the election. I'm like, this might not be too far off. So interesting how things play out on TV. And then uh, we see them happen in real life. It's because the CIA probably writes the scripts. Yeah. All right. What do you have on there? What's the next uh, topic here, Joe? I don't. I haven't heard about this one. Where are we? The missing uh, ammonium and, nitrates. Yes. Are you talking about that? 
Well, this went missing. Was it in California, I believe? Or a 30-ton shipment of, what was it, chemical explosives? I guess that's what this stuff is. I think Yeah, it was the same stuff that was used in the Oklahoma City bombing in 1995. So we'll let our Brett Bear Fox News tell us about it here. ...of the explosive chemical ammonium nitrate have disappeared from a rail shipment out west. Chemical is commonly used in fertilizers, but it was also used in the deadly 1995 terror bombing of a federal building in Oklahoma City. The company shipping the chemicals says a train left Wyoming last month and arrived at its destination in California with one car completely empty. The company says it's investigating. Oh, don't worry. Union Pacific is investigating, and they're one of the good railroads. But where's Mayor Pete answering questions about this? Mayor Pete, did you did you see what I sent you about him? I, I don't even want to read. I don't even want to read it. I don't even want to read it because I'll throw up my freaking mouth. What his cathedral? His cathedral of the mind? Yes. The, oh, yeah. was, it, was it from Wired? With a remarkable blend of intellect and empathy, Pete Buttigieg brings a fresh perspective to the forefront of public disclosure. No, he doesn't. It took yeah. him months to go to East Palestine. Him and Chastin. Uh, he, took, he took paternity leave when the country was st- just starting to fall apart. Uh, he might be the next presidential candidate, Joe. Don't, don't sleep on Mayor Pete. He won't be. I told you, for you to... I guess he's kind of been out of politics, but he's been a terrible... Secretary of Transportation. I mean, you could argue he's been one of the worst. Uh, you think? Yeah, he's been horrible. And that's that's across every country I could even think of. Who was who who was who was looking over the German infrastructure in the mid nineteen forties? He did about as good a job as him. What was it, Albert Schwer, I believe? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Doing a great job. Why don't we start blowing bridges next, Pete? Please. Slow the advancement of white supremacy and <laughs> whatever. I don't know. Uh, uh, all right. What do we have next? Okay. So speaking of the, speaking of that, do you remember that story we just did on the missing ammonium nitrate that was responsible for the Oklahoma city bombing? Yeah. What if I told you there was a white house, there was a U-Haul that got rented and driven into the white house right after that story, right after that story. Breaking apparently, <laughs> and I'm gonna laugh because this is from Inside Paper on Twitter. They, they, they mentioned so someone rented a U-Haul and tried to drive it into the White House, and apparently it didn't have any, it didn't have any ammonium nitrate in it. But what it did have in it is almost more dangerous. It had a Nazi flag, and the Nazi flag was pulled from the cab of the U-Haul after the U-Haul rammed the security barrier, and of course. They put this Nazi flag, they sprawl it out, and they put it right in the pavement for it's it's the best it's the best lighting in the world for it being late late at night too. And they get the best picture of it ever. But when they pull out the Nazi flag from the truck mark and they place it on the ground for a picture, that's literally the definition of a false flag. It's fucking it's fucking hilarious to me. It's fucking hilarious to me. And then look at the white supremacist. I, I linked it in there. The, the white supremacist, his name is Sai Versith Kandula, a Missouri man who's here on H1 whatever B1 visa. That's the white supremacist. Are they outsourcing white supremacists? 
It's just, it makes you wonder. We've talked about false flags in this podcast dating back to the, the early episodes. And we said this would happen. We said there'd be lots of false flags. They're probably going to blame it on white supremacy. Here you have, right after we started off the episode saying about last week, everything was white supremacy this, white supremacy that. And then here, how often do you fucking drive around with a Nazi flag in your U-Haul truck? <laughs> Are they, like, this is the, does anyone really believe this stuff? Like, you have to have a fatal, fatal case of brain worms. If you believe, that, was, this a, was this an FBI thing? What was it? But I don't care what you say. This guy is not a white supremacist. And the fact that he has a Nazi flag in the cab of the U-Haul is amazing to me. He's not even white. Who sits around and thinks of this stuff? The I mean, way they, it's, uh, no, I'll let you finish. But the, the, the way it's just sprawled out on the pavement for, the, for all the papers and the news articles and the mainstream media to get the good picture of the Nazi flag in the perfect lighting at midnight. It's just... It's just mind blowing that this stuff keeps happening. It's like, I don't know. I mean, this guy isn't even white. <laughs> well, he's a white supremacist with a Nazi flag. Okay. I don't. I don't know where they come up with this stuff, Joe. Honestly, I, I, I don't. Huh? Did, do you watch? Okay. Do you watch? Um, what the hell is it called? What's the name of the show with Kevin Costner? Yes. Okay, so apparently, I don't want to ruin it for everyone, but apparently, I guess the last season of Yellowstone involved white supremacists. Yeah. Like, <laughs> why does every show have to go woke? Like, I don't see, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm white and I just can't see it. I, I, I yeah, Yellowstone's very, Yellowstone's kind of woke, a little bit woke. I hear it's very woke, but. Yeah. Well, Kevin Costner's supposed to be not coming back. I just don't see white supremacy as that big of a threat in this country. I'm sorry, but everyone says it is. And then as soon as they say it is, we hear a newsworthy attack about some Mexican or someone with dark skin doing a white supremacy attack lately. It's, it's the weirdest thing ever. It's the weirdest so, freaking thing ever. So you're telling me that um, Joe Biden just said, what was that? What was the, what was the college he was at giving the uh, commencement speech at? Howard, 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 Howard or Hampton, one of the two, said the biggest threat to our democracy is white supremacy. And then this guy drives a U-Haul truck into the white into the uh, fence of the White House and is now a white supremacist. And he's not even white. But the guy he's trying to kill, Joe Biden, is the whitest white guy ever. Yeah. He's Greek. He's German Irish. He's Anglo-Saxon. I mean, he's the epitome of, of, of whiteness. Yep. So you got a white supremacist that isn't white. That's actually Indian, maybe we'll say, who's here on a visa trying to kill the white president who's Anglo-Saxon and, and Irish, but he hates white supremacy and he's trying to fight white. It's I, I don't I don't know. I, I don't know. I can't I can't figure it out. Yeah. Amazing. All right, let's move on to our next topic. Okay, did you, did you see this the city bike incident? Uh, city bike. Uh, what city? No, 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 it was the, it was an incident with a New York City uh, hospital worker. Apparently, this woman got off a twelve hour shift. She was pregnant, six months pregnant, and she tried to rent a bike. And I don't know if this is like a TikTok prank or a YouTube prank, 
where you try to like just accuse someone of stealing something for you or just take something off someone and get it on video. But they surrounded the woman five, not that race matters to me, but five black youths must have surrounded the woman and said she stole the bike and got it on video and demanded she give it back. And a lot of people got involved, like Ben Crump was saying that this is a racist woman. Then I guess the woman started crying and they gave the bike back. Um, and they were saying that, that her tears, she weaponized her tears was the expression. And it could have gotten the black men killed because she was crying apparently somehow. But I guess the New York City Hospital woman came out, her lawyer came out and provided receipts that said she paid for the city bike at the center of this viral fight. Um, I guess I can play the video, but it's just you're not going to be able to understand anything because you can't you can't see. But uh, I I don't know. This has been the center of attention. I guess the, she's going to sue some of these news agencies and people for defamation because they called her a white supremacist, a racist, all this stuff. And apparently, she didn't even try to steal the bike. It was her bike, and they were trying to either prank her or take the bike off her. I don't know, but I don't know. I blame Joe Biden for this one. Speaking of the white supremacy thing, he, he's the one out there saying the most dangerous thing to this country is white supremacy. You don't think that causes friction? So he, he wants a race war in this country. I mean, well, maybe not him, but his handlers. So this yeah. city bike Okay, we are back after that brief interruption. And we are going to wrap up this episode with a couple more hot topics that uh, we found perusing through uh, places like Twitter and the New York Post. Joe, retail theft in California. So this this had to do with Prop 47 in in California. I'm not very familiar, but I just had to bring it up and throw it on the podcast because it's, again, it's fucking just hilarious to me. You, you, You can literally walk out with a cart full of shit and no one cares, no one stops, you're not going to face any stiff penalties. But two years ago, you couldn't get into the stores without a mask on, even if you were going to pay for the stuff. So it just makes no sense. What they allow in California with the retail theft is amazing. Why why ever pay for anything, Mark? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to look up here what Prop 47 even is. Um The Safe Neighborhoods and Schools Act, also known as Prop 47, which downgraded crimes like theft of goods under $950 from felonies to misdemeanors. I never spend spend $950 at a time, anymore at least. Yeah. You heard that correct. Now, theft, a misdemeanor in California. So, you know, you, they, they show pictures here of this Target in Folsom Street in San Francisco. Um, they're behind, like, locked doors. Like, you can't just go and, you, and you, like, you have to have someone open the door for you. Like you're buying AirPods, like a gallon of milk yeah. is like buying AirPods. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Apple Store in Palo Alto was raided by two thieves last Black Friday. I mean, California is just... Out of out of control. It was Black Friday, all right. <laughs> I don't even I don't even want to say it, Mark, because I'll go to jail. Yeah. All right. Um, speaking of Target, we'll get into that in a second. Um, Florida has what a travel advisory now, Joe, for African Americans. I sent you this, and 
I I didn't know if it was serious or not. Honestly, I don't know if that's is that serious. Uh, there's video, so we're gonna play the video. But the NCAA is this even the right NAACP? Uh, I, the NAACP issued travel advisory for Florida, saying the state is quote openly hostile towards African Americans under Governor DeSantis's administration. What? What is? What? Hold on, I gotta play. I gotta play the video. I gotta play the video. NAACP has issued a travel advisory for Florida and is urging the black community to avoid visiting or moving to the Sunshine State. According to the statement, the advisory comes in direct response to Republican Governor Ron DeSantis's quote, aggressive attempts to erase black history. And it calls Florida openly hostile toward African-Americans, people of color, and the LGBTQ individuals. CNN has reached out to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis for comment but did not receive a response. What happened since we went to break? Where I mean, we you took a quick break and we come back, and all of a sudden the NCAA is telling black people, "Be careful going to Florida," as if we live in Jim Crow again. The NAACP, not the NCAA, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I'm just my mind's on a pretzel right now. The end. Yeah. Let me just to be clear: the state of Florida. The, the travel advisory for this entire state of Florida yes. because it's dangerous for black people. Yes. No way. <laughs> well. I mean, we could, we could delve more into this. Hold on, wait. I thought, I thought I linked up, of course, our good buddies at MSNBC. Of course, I'm sure they covered this. So this is, this is an MSNBC guest Oh, saying no. Florida, Florida is a terrorist state for black people. And These people are state. legit insane. <laughs> I mean, listen to this clip. This is a classic. Aisha Mills, Basil is still with us. Um, Aisha, this is, I have talked for seven years about the asymmetry of covering Trumpism in America, something so audacious and so unimaginable that the normal ways of rapidly responding are inadequate. This seems to address that asymmetry and um, and say, I, I, I got this. What do you think? I think it was extremely clever, um, and, and I really appreciate the NAACP's guidance uh, on this issue. You know, I just took my family to, to spring break in Florida recently, and I think about all of the folks who traveled there for sun and joy um, and peace and restoration, and to be reminded that actually this is getting to the point where Florida is about to be a terrorist state to, to many of us here in America, certainly <laughs> as a lesbian, as a black woman. I don't want to have anything to do with the place um and but, you, but you went on vacation there hold on about all the other people who don't want to travel there either and so i think it was very clever on behalf of the naacp i thank them uh for issuing this broad uh guidance and you know really what it does is it turns a remarkable uh i think lens on the united states and highlights how bigotry and bias and ignorance do as much harm uh as we accuse other countries uh, of doing to people that they suppress Okay, hold on. Well, if if it's a terrorist state, then why'd you take your family there, dumbass? Mark, Mark, you know me, you know my family, you know my wife, you know my son. Would I ever take my family to Iran? What about what about North Korea? Would I would I would I ever 
plan a getaway, a family getaway to go see Al-Qaeda or the Khmer Rouge? Like it's a fucking theme park in Disney World? Oh, man. I, honestly, that's that takes the cake. That takes the cake. I, I, I don't know what to say. I honestly thought it was a joke. We thought the CDC advisories for, like, COVID were a joke. This is, they're advising black people. I don't know if, like, maybe people just flies over people's head these days in 2023. But the NAACP is advising black people not to go to Florida. Yep. You know, I got to question the NAACP because they, have, they describe black people as being colored. So let's start to break them apart next, please. Do you think this is a uh, early attack on on the Ron DeSantis uh, presidency uh, announcement that we might see coming soon, Joe? Uh, yes or no? I mean, if this is the attack, this is bad, guys. Are you? What, what is the overall picture that Ron DeSantis and his administration are or or, or Grand Cyclops? Grand Cyclops die? I don't know what the term is, but are they in the KKK? What? The NAACP advising black people not to go to Florida. It's crazy. I mean, I mean, come on. What? Come on. This is a headline in 2023. If you woke up from a coma, if you woke up from a coma, if you, let's say, voted for Mitt Romney in 2012 and then got into a car crash and went into a coma, knew that he lost and woke up today, and this is the story, and Joe Biden is president. You got to be thinking, what? The, put me back in. When are the aliens coming? This is a travel advisory for black people to the state of Florida. Like it's a winter storm, like it's a storm or something there, a hurricane, a hurricane of white nationalism. <laughs> oh, all I, right. can't, I can't scream either. Because I gotta watch my voice, but I really want to scream. I mean, I'm not even asleep, and this is the worst nightmare I've ever been, I've ever had. <laughs> Black people, stay out of Florida. It's dangerous. Uh, there's nothing else that we could say. Openly hostile toward African Americans under Governor Ron DeSantis' administration. Openly hostile. What did he do? What did we miss? What did he do that we missed? The first response underneath that is, can you give an example of open hostility? I mean, the black people? Once again, we, trying to cause division. Yeah. And we're just finding out about this now. This, this is the best. <laughs> that was the best story ever. I'm sorry. The NAACP. Yeah. <laughs> Flying their hands in the air, telling people, no, don't go. It's dangerous. It's the funniest thing in the world. But we got to move on. We got to move on to the border. All right. um, What do we have from the border, Joe, other than human trafficking, drug trafficking? And uh, you sent me this video of this woman uh, being, I don't know, pinned under a train. Uh, We've seen two people die. Uh, in uh, while they've been while they've been in custody or detained or whatever you want to say it, um, go ahead. What's this this was order? this was horror. When I say horrific, 
don't even look it up if you don't have a stomach because it's a woman underneath a train and it's just the train's just breaking over her. It's, it's disgusting. And she's a migrant. And this is from the account of David Nino Rodriguez. Um, he's a former heavyweight boxer, actually. He's a former heavyweight champion boxer. Um, and he's saying, this poor immigrant died a terrible death. This was sent to me um, from my friends in Juarez. This is Biden's chaos. Warning, viewer discretion is advised. And it's, it's, it's bad. But this is what's going to be happening at the U.S. border. More stuff like this. And the United States doesn't have the best reputation when it comes to trains so far. So when it happens in the United States, it's going to be one with ammonium nitrate. And then this. Authorities on both sides of the U.S.-Mexico border are trying to find whoever dropped the four-year-old boy from a border barrier in San Diego. So they just dropped the four-year-old boy over the barrier. It's, it's in the middle of the night. And it's, it's in like night vision camera or something. And they just left him there. No one has any idea who the boy is. What? I mean, the, this is why walls at least work a little bit. But this is, it's only going to get worse. And it's going to get worse every single day. And you've got a four-year-old boy being dropped over the border or over a giant fence. Yep. And it's not making the news, really. A four-year-old boy. All right. Um, that's all I have, Mark. I know we, we probably don't have time for disclose. So I'm yeah, this has been this has been a uh, a marathon episode. I was uh, um, I was up in New York as I I said New York State uh, not two weekends ago. I was telling you a sign I saw up there. I'll finish with this: Jesus is my God, and Donald Trump is my president. Joe, take us home. Okay, so Pride Month is fast approaching we're going to end here on a video from nebraska this is we're just playing these because we're getting you ready it's like you know when speaking of heavyweight boxing you know when you got like a a, a great fighter you don't just throw him right to a, a championship caliber fighter you you know you work his work his confidence up a little bit give him a few you know a few easy bouts here and there we're just trying to just get you guys prepared for this because this is happening next week but this is a Democrat state senator from Nebraska, Michaela Kavanaugh, I believe is her name, with Kavanaugh with a C, who has been, this is from Mischief on Twitter, who has been drinking the woke Kool-Aid of insanity. This is not a loop. This actually has an ending. Sadly, it's a minute long. Your ears will start bleeding long before that. Don't forget, the clock to Pride Month is ticking. So here's the video, though. Pride Month is fast approaching. 
This has been Thinking Logically. Thank you very much. <laughs>